0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver, tire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
1: Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. Whoa! This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor.
0: Tonight, we have the Diamondbacks and Rangers with pregame starting right after our show at 6 o'clock. But tomorrow night, you got the Blues at the Avalanche pregame starting at 730 right here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. And one of the voices you'll hear on the pregame and the, uh, of course, is the color analyst. And then the postgame is Joey Vitale, who joins us right now via the 101 ESPN celebrity line with Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter.
1: What's up, Joe? Hey, Stalls, what's going on? Danny Mac, what do you say? Just just doing that Halloween thing. You know how it goes.
2: Oh, I do. Mine are getting a little bit older, though. I remember you and I talking about Halloween. Um, I don't have any going out for candy that I know of. Anthony has got a whole stock full of candy and kids, so yep. he'll be doing it, and I know you'll be doing it as well, so good luck and Godspeed.
0: Joe, you got 13 yeah. now, right? About
2: 13?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm working on 13. I tell you <laughs> what. It to be 13, not my wife. But no, hey, we're, look- we're looking forward to it. We Obviously, we live in Kirkwood, so it's a... A great little area where, of course, just down the street from your your, your big bro, Kev, oh, yeah. and, uh, we'll ho- hopefully make a stop at uh, the great the great Kevin's house, because he always throws out king size. That's <laughs> nice. the key, man. You I told him, the I
2: said, do you want to win? And curry favor with neighbors, just give them the full-size candy bars. <laughs> and that's just for the parents, okay?
1: Listen. I don't know what's going on these days. These kids are getting kind of—they're getting soft and they're getting spoiled. The two S is soft and spoiled. I gave out—I gave out regular size last year. I thought I was the king, the king of the neighborhood. And this one kid looks at me. He's like, "Regular size was a joke." And he kind of looks at me with a big scowl on his face. a You want to fight about it? Wow! Man, I want to throw it down. I want to throw it down with an eight-year-old. But apparently, if it's not king size, the kid's just moving on these days. What 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 are the
2: costumes?
0: What do you got? Lined yeah, I was up? gonna ask. Uh, run run through the, the Baker's dozen for us.
1: Okay, so we got uh, the Shepdog. dog. Shepherd is a choo choo, well, no, he's an excavator train ish thing with a hard hat. Wait a minute, Birdie the dog, is, uh, the shepherd dog. We call him the shepherd dog. It's Shepherd. We call him Shepherd. Well, Shep I got dog.
2: that, but you mean you're getting the dog dressed up too?
1: No, no, no. This is my son. Oh. His Shepherd. <laughs> Oh, I'm losing my mind here. I'm like, wait
2: a minute. You guys are
1: doing dogs and kids? Oh, no, no. Danny Come on. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm barely a feed the dog a day. I, I understand. I, I, let alone, you know what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> so Shepard is an excavator choo-choo train combo. That's Birdie awesome. is. Cinderella. She was going to be Elsa all along. We were all decked out for months. And then last night, she decided she wants to be Cinderella. So I was at Target all day across the city of St. Louis trying to find a Cinderella costume, but we landed it. So I was pumped about that. Uh, Bodie is a scary uh, scream mask, red blood cell thingy on his face, kind of a spooky thing. Harper is Iceman from Top Gun. Nice. And nice. my daughter, Summer who is about to turn 13, says, Daddy, I am going to be the green gummy bear. All my friends are dressing up as gummy bears. Well, these kids these days, these teenagers, they like to push the envelope with the whole clothing thing. I was thinking like a big, like, stuffy bear costume. No, 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 no. It's like skimpy. So I'm like, no, no, no you're not doing that. You're changing to something different. So we had to make a little stop The Coles We found some green stuff that looks more appropriate, so we're all good to go.
0: Awesome. Perfect. I love it. All right, Joe. Um, we were talking about the Blues a little bit early on, and I had made the point because uh, we, we had the question of, are the Blues a playoff team? I, I made the argument, we don't know what the Blues are, period, at this point. Given given the inconsistencies, is is that an accurate statement that we, we can't even determine whether or not they're going to be a playoff team because we don't know who who they are right now?
1: Well, it's a great question. Obviously, it's it's on the front of every, every Blues fan's mind, and I think that the outlier or maybe the, the asterisk or the big question mark if you will uh, given how the season's going to me is just gonna be is gonna be the, the veteran leadership of this team. And what I mean by that is, you know, for you guys, you guys watch the games, we've we've seen it really, really good. We've seen it, you know, you know, a team that goes into Calgary doesn't give them a sniff. We've seen them them host the Pittsburgh Penguins, some of the best players in the world, first uh, first ballot Hall of Famers, and they didn't give them a sniff. We've seen it look really good. We've seen Bennington shut the door completely. And then we've seen it look really, really bad. We've seen the Arizona Coyotes come to town and just shellack the Blues. We saw what we saw the other night in Vancouver, which was maybe one of the most lopsided Blues losses I've seen since my tenure here. It's my sixth year in the booth. So we've seen the really good and we've seen the really bad. So where do we go from here? I think that as you look at all these teams that, you know, for the most part, it's a lot of up and down. I think that you look at the first 10 to 15 games, every player will say the same thing. I had a great conversation with Robert Bortuz about this. I said, what are you thinking? He said, you never you never know. You you really never know until about games 10 to 12 to 15 as far as how this team is going to come together or not come together. I mean, that was kind of the litmus test last year, of course, as we saw. And, of course, they don't make the playoffs because they just went on that 18-losing streak. So for this year, you know, what will we see moving forward? It just comes down to the leadership. I know Craig Berube. I've been talking to Steve out on the side. They have a game plan, and when it looks good, it looks really good. And when the players kind of deviate from that game plan and get away from it, it looks really bad. So the coaches have the right mindset. The coaches have the right philosophies. They have the the right intangibles and the right uh, logistics. Now is it going to come down to Braden Shen and, uh, of course, Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, Colton Frako, I mean, you name it. Can those guys continue to relay the message in, in the way the coaches need them to to this team, and more importantly, guys, hold this team accountable when it goes astray, and that's what they really struggled with last year. Was the message from the coaching staff not getting to the players, and then, of course, the players not holding themselves accountable. So, to me, that is going to be the big question mark to see where this team goes and how they move forward, and whether they become a playoff team or not.
2: Hey, Joey, I'm sure you're on teams that. We're inconsistent, and the Blues right now are inconsistent. So outside of some of the things you're talking about, how about X's and O's or lineup changes, things that a coaching staff can do? And I'm not just talking about the Blues, but in hockey in general, how can you make yourself a more consistent team?
1: I mean, listen, this it's a great question. Um, I, I, can only, I can only lean on my experiences, uh, Danny Mack. And I look at some of the years in Pittsburgh where we had some really great teams, you know, teams that have gone to the conference finals back-to-back years and uh, just couldn't get over the hump, but some really good teams, you know, president trophy winning teams. And I know that at times when the season got a little away from us or in the playoffs that we were down in the series, you know, three games to one or two games to nothing. You know, to me, it always came back to what I was just talking about, the leadership. I remember being in the locker room and hearing Dan Bilesman, hearing Ray Shiro, the GM coming in there and kind of, you know, bark orders and kind of dictate how we want this thing to go. And then they left, right? But they're only there for a sample size. They're only there for ten minutes. And then you're left with who? The guys in that room. Right? And then that's where you kinda of, uh subtly lean over and I remember just, you know, kinda of observing Sidney Crosby, right? Not only the things he said, but then how he approached the game and the temperature on those series they would they would rise. And then his game would take it up to a whole another level. And and that's where I, I go back to it's got to come from that leadership group. It's got to come from Braden Chen. It's got to come, you know, from players like Robert Thomas to go out there and just start to kind of grab this thing. Because when they do it, right, we all see it. We all see everyone on the bench kind of, like, find that extra level. Okay, hey, Braden just got in a big tilt. He got in two hits. He, you know, started a scrap. Big goal in the first. This guy's ready to rock. Let's follow our captain. Let's all jump in. Because he's a guy that brings someone into the fight. You know, I remember when, when, when Crosby at times, he, we'd be in a bad series, and he would fight Claude Giroux or fight Joe Thornton. You're like, oh, my God, he, here's your captain. Here's your, your franchise goal scorer, future Hall of Famer. He's getting the fight. He's willing to do anything. We all got to jump in too, right? So you go from the messaging of the coach. How do you find consistency? It's just the messaging, and then it filters down to the veteran players, and it's really going to come down to that core group. Like I mentioned, we all know the names. Um, I'll also throw, you know, Tory Krug. And, of course, Nick Letty in the mix there as well, because there are certain leaders, guys that have been around the league a long time. Can they figure out a way to galvanize this group, lead by example, and all of a sudden you grab a spark and you find that magic and you go on a run? And Again, a lot of question marks to be seen.
0: Joe, before we let you go, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about the power play. If there was one thing, and it's not an easy fix, I understand that, but if there was one thing that could be tweaked to uh, enhance even more shots when it comes to the power play, what would that be?
1: One-timers, just all simply one-timers. You need more one-timers. You need not only the one-timers at the net, you need one-timers as a threat. I remember killing penalties, uh, and of course the longest-tenured blue, Robert Bortuzzo, he survived longest in this league on this team, and he survived as long as he has in this league because of one thing, he blocks a ton of shots, and he's a great penalty killer. So if anyone knows it, he knows it. We were killing penalties at the same time. We, We both know what it takes. We both know what you're looking at. When you have a scouting report, and you're going up against the Washington Capitals, and you see Alex Ovechkin on the board, he's healthy, he's in tonight, you have to respect the one-timer. You know, when we were playing the Winnipeg Jets, and you knew Patrick Laine into the league, got a wicked one-timer on that right side, you had to, of course, you had to respect it. You know, whether it was Niko Ranson on the left side when you play in Colorado, you have to respect it. So what happens is, you know they have a lethal one-timer. So the kill actually has to spread out. You want to stay tight, but you can't stay tight because you have to respect this dude over here who's going to absolutely laser one if you don't kind of get in his kitchen a little bit and deter a shot. So when that separation happens, when you're killing, because of this respect you have for this one-timer over here, then it then opens up right in the middle. All these gaps start to kind of open up in the middle. Right now, uh, the Blues, and this, this kind of goes back even to the years you have Vladimir Tarasenko because he hated taking one-timers. He wanted to be on his offside. I think the Blues can certainly a benefit from having a one-timer. The closest thing they've had this year has been Yaku Parana. We've seen him in the preseason have a couple goals. He had a lightning rod of chances there. I believe it was in the Pittsburgh game on the power play. But now because of this five-on-five play, he's out of the lineup. So who's it going to be? Who's going to be the next guy that can establish a one-timer? Once you start doing that, then things really start to open up. But if you don't have that, it's going to continue to be a little bit stagnant uh, where the passes aren't really connected. And then, of course, you don't do what you're supposed to do, which power plays are supposed to do besides score goals, is create momentum for the game.
0: Joe, great stuff. Looking forward to listening to you tomorrow night. Hey, enjoy the the Halloween experience tonight with the kids.
1: Sounds good, Saul. team Danny Mac. You guys have a great day. Happy Halloween. Same you. Happy
0: Halloween. Thanks, Joe.